Hey guys. Hey guys. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode number. What is it? I don't know. Uh, Sixteen. Welcome to episode number sixteen of a strange thing podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm Mike, <sighs> and I'm Austin, and we are your hosts for this strange podcast. Yeah, and we're feeling especially strange tonight. It's been rough. It's been a weird Whole... couple of weeks. Yeah. And actually, it's been a weird summer. It's been a weird year before that. It's just been weird. It's 2019 been a, was a weird year for our family. It is. It's and been, then 2020 has been a weird year for the world. But you know, everybody I talk to say that it's been a weird thing for them and their family, too. It's 18? A, it's a strange thing. 2020. No, I'm saying like 2019 was weird for our family. It was. And then 2020 is just weird. It's a continuance of weird. Yeah, it's not weird for our family well, it is, but it's also weird for everybody, it seems like. There's just a lot of weird things going on in the world. Yep. You know, everything from dust clouds that covering the continent to grasshoppers and locust swarms taking over areas to earthquakes and... Bars closing. And weather weirdness and... Face masks. And all kinds of, like, viral fears. Yep. It's, it's been weird. weird. It's weird, weird, weird. <laughs> Yeah. But we're glad you're here, and we want to today, as you listen to this podcast, we want to spread a little joy, a little hope, a little cheer, even though it's like Christmas in July, guys. Kind of. <laughs> and I don't even know if I'm feeling it, but I'm so sick of not feeling it that I'm going to make gonna myself feel it. it tonight. I'm going nice. to feel it. Yeah. yeah. Feel that happiness. I'm going to be happy. So freaking happy. Damn it, I'm going to be so happy. I'm just <laughs> not going to be able to control myself. Woo. Woo. <laughs> But anyway, now we got that out of the way. And if you're playing our drinking game, I said, but anyway. That's another thing we should add to our drinking game. If we say, but anyway. Or you hear the dogs bark. Oh, yeah. Every time you hear the dogs bark, you get to drink an entire beer. (laughs) Unless you don't want to drink anything alcoholic. And then you can drink an entire water or an entire soda. Because we do not want to encourage unresponsible drinking in any way shape or form there you go there you go that's our disclaimer disclaimer for the day your mom will be happy if you want a idea of our mood right now my dad's wearing a sriracha shirt yeah we've got Sully from the monsters inc plush toy boo from the monsters inc plush toy next to a box from blade runner the dvd compilation a fishing reel Above that is a mic from Monsters, Inc. And a uh, four-legged Imperial Walker You know, toy. I got to say, you're almost making me cry because it's stuff that brings me such right? joy. You know? <laughs> it's just so silly. I, I know. I'm just kind of a weird guy, and we like weird stuff. And it's all around us here in the office. And he's looking at my little shelves up there. And shelf. I did stuff for Monsters, Inc. on video gaming when I was... You know, doing that kind of stuff back in the day. And I don't know. I've always been kind of a weird guy. And (laughs) I feel like I am so lucky and blessed to be able to do this kind of stuff. We don't make any money on this thing. Right. We do this for fun. We don't want notoriety any more than just we hope people enjoy it. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm hoping people hang with us, you know, and realize we're not professionals. (laughs) We're just, we're hacks, but we're having fun. If you if you want a really good representation of how serious we take this, um, well, maybe not serious. We take it kind of serious. Some we, some we episodes are very serious, like our our strange acts of kindness. That was a yeah. really cool episode. Got I love that. Deep. But how lighthearted we come into it is my dad's drinking whiskey in a sriracha shirt next to a plastic corn on the cob that's half shucked, painted <laughs> bright gold with metallic paint. <laughs> it is. It's a cornhole trophy. It's a cornhole trophy. It's a great trophy. I like cornhole sometimes. But anyway, now we are way... (laughs) We're way down the cornhole. We are way down the cornhole. (laughs) Let's pull out of the cornhole. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, let's get back on topic. We're talking about petroglyphs. We're talking about things that are written on rocks. Mm -hmm. And we did the strange rock kind of narrative because it is weird. And we went down and looked at a lot of these. We did. 
Well, not a lot. But well, several. <laughs> several. And several I've been, in our immediate proximity. And I've been to a several others that I did on my own mm. um, before I was, you know, because you were busy with life and having a kid, kid. and stuff. So for those who listened to our previous episode, we were talking about a specific strange rock that was close to where we are geographically in southern Idaho, which was called Map Rock. And Map Rock, it is believed to be one of the oldest, if not the oldest, map in the world. Nice. Yeah. They estimate, and I say they, it's archaeologists, people who study this kind of thing, have estimated that the petroglyphs on this rock could be up to 12,000 years old. That's pretty darn old. It is. And I've heard from other people on our Facebook page. I got a a note from Marco, who Mm -hmm. studies this stuff, and he says that's way off. Ooh. And they have scientific research papers that basically show that that's an impossibility for it to be that old. It's speculation on both sides because we weren't there. But I like to think of it being really old because that's more strange. Yeah. So so we're going to roll with that. And Marcos, I thank you for your input because I like to be informed and we're going to keep looking at that stuff. (laughs) We see the logic and we choose to ignore it. (laughs) Yeah, or not ignore it, but it stays in our cranial capacity. Cranial capacity. That cavern of cranial goodness is still pondering that information. You can't debate that it's not old. It's old. So we'll go with old. Yeah. You know, and, and like we kind of talked about last week, petroglyphs, no matter where they're found, and they're found all across the Americas, Mm -hmm. South America, North America, up into Canada. I mean, the whole continent is scattered with these strange petroglyphs. And what they are and why they were written has been a, a topic of debate among specialists for hundreds of years. Right. And so we're a couple hacks. Yeah, we and we're looking at it from a total hack perspective and not knowing much, but and we're relating it to things that we understand today. And mm-hmm. it could be totally wrong, but yet it's fun. It might be totally wrong. It might be totally right. But you may be right. I may be crazy. <laughs> I know you're crazy. I am. So we're looking at this with different eyes because we've never studied petroglyphs. Until we realized that there was this thing sitting down in the Snake River Canyon about 30 miles away, that was very interesting Mm -hmm. and very strange. That was our genesis. That's where we started our consideration for this thing. Mm. So last episode, we talked about these rocks that have been chiseled or scratched. Mm -hmm. Some people call them rock art. Some people call them petroglyphs. They can be called whatever you want, but they've been there a heck of a long time. And we know that they were most likely carved by the indigenous people of those regions. Right. All across the United States, there have been Native American tribes or Indian tribes that have inscribed on rocks for one reason or another and have created a very intricate catalog of symbols that can be found all across the world. Right. It's not just here in the United States. It's in Hawaii. It's in Hawaii. It's in Europe. It's in Ireland. It's it's all over the place. Right. In Australia, in Africa, these things exist everywhere. And these things, some of them are contemporary with things from ancient history that we know of like Babylon and Assyria mm-hmm. and Egypt. They're contemporary. They've been, they were taking place at the same time as far as our ability to date when these things happen. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating because we hear a lot of Middle Eastern history and we see a lot of Middle Eastern, you know, uh, cuneiform writings or Egyptian hieroglyphics. Yeah, that's the word. It's funny that we we're talking about this. Another podcast that I listened to, he just did the history of um, Egypt. And all their mythology and stuff. Not necessarily a history, but the mythology. And kind of how the the uh, geography ties into the mythology of the the god, the, the sphinx, the, the mummification process, Ra. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. That's Dan Cummins, Time Suck Podcast. Super good. Great. We like that. Um, and but, I know technically we're not supposed to call out things. and like, But we don't care because we're doing this for fun. And we love those guys. Yep. 
It doesn't matter if it's true crime, garage, or, or you know, pick your podcast, whatever it is. Um, we're so thankful for those guys that we consider them pioneers. Mm-hmm. And we love to be doing the things that they do well, even though maybe we're not doing that as well. I feel like, <laughs> like there were even uh, topics that this guy covered. He just talked about all this Egyptology. <laughs> and um, he covered some of the hieroglyphics and things that they might mean and... It's funny to even reference them now because I feel like I'm. What I learned is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> coming from that. I feel kind of weird. We get on here like we know all this stuff. You know why we know is because we get on the Hearsay. trail of something and then we Google it. Yep. Google. And we do some research and then we think about it and we talk about it and mm-hmm. we go look at things and we try to apply our perspective to it. But it's not like we are wise or educated in the. Nope. In all of these topics, it's because we do a little research and because we have such a great information, um, plethora of information available right. on the internet. I think I think our our goal as the podcast kind of originally is to be able to go do things and talk with people yeah. and kind of get their opinions. But recent circumstances has kind of limited, limited that. that. Yeah, so totally. you've opened up kind of the Facebook talk page. Yeah. That we're going to get some stories and some opinions, but it's not going to be like when we went to Shishon and the no. the Marine was telling us about grabbing police officers by the gonads because they insulted his mom. And Rock Lady was going to show us the entrance to the Hall of Earth. Yeah. yeah it's not going to be quite that That exciting. was extra, extra special. But hopefully we can get on that. that well, you know, and I kind of like what this has forced us into. A little more I research. Can, <laughs> yeah, because I, it, it's nice because... We're still able to do those things, mm-hmm. but at the same time, now we're digging a little deeper maybe than we would have. Right. And so we're actually learning more. I feel like I'm learning more every time I do a topic mm-hmm. about you know the local history or whatever. Right. And I'm thankful for that, even though maybe sometimes it can kind of derail where we're going on the strange scale. Right. It still is something that's very interesting. I think it brings an added depth. Yeah. It, it does definitely um, bring some credibility to it. Yeah. And it, it almost highlights some of the more bizarre and strange mm-hmm. things that we talk about. But we are off topic. We are again. We do this. We've gone down a rabbit hole. But what we discovered in our research and looking around locally is that petroglyphs, these things are everywhere in the Snake River Plain, all the way from where we are here in uh, outside of Boise, Idaho, and Marsing, Idaho, mm. all the way up through Idaho Falls and, and Pocatello and the far eastern side of the state. And then you go south down into Utah and New Mexico and Arizona and into California and Nevada. These petroglyphs are literally everywhere. One thing that's really cool about petroglyphs and that they are everywhere is that they share a lot of commonalities. Mm. And tonight we want to get into a little bit of that. We're just going to touch on it and what their purpose was, Mm -hmm. if there was a purpose. There had to be a purpose. Well, last episode you were talking about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Entertainment. (laughs) Mom and dad, Shoshone Indian, decides that they're tired of their their teenager being smart-mouthed and sends them outside with the younger boys and out of boredom they start scratching on rocks. Yep. I think that's... Probably, I'm not going to say it's all of them, but there has to be kids that were messing around and made these scratches on rocks that people today are taking so serious. Or maybe they saw an elder of the tribe or a medicine man or uh, some type of shaman figure do something and then they they, they mimic that or they copy it. Okay, we've got Crayola markers. Mm-hmm. crayons we've got colored pencils yep we've got paints watercolors well now you have everything electronic too yeah yeah yeah. but and like paint program on the computer's been around forever ferris bueller's day off and He's on now little kids <laughs> playing on little uh, electronic yeah. devices and they're, and they're painting and always mm-hmm. and they've got felt and paper boards that mm-hmm. you can color each square a different color based on the number yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah Kids are always coloring stuff, drawing in sticks in the dirt, making chalk on the sidewalk. <laughs> so there's no way that every little 
petroglyph, petro hippogriff, petroglyph, <laughs> petroglyph. Yes, we're we're drinking a little whiskey. I don't think that's impacting this yet, but any slur you could blame yeah. on that. Yeah. I don't think that that those are all serious. Like, there's got to be some that are just kids messing around, or even because adult when, messing when, around. <laughs> it, yeah, even yeah. adults, but mostly like to me, I just picture the insignificance. And and it is important for kids to be creative, but the insignificance of a child just sitting there being goofy, <laughs> or even and then, even and then we see it and we're like, what do these lines mean? Yeah, right. And we take it so serious. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be something. Or it's just so stupid. <laughs> or kind of like that. What if like I mean, what we're saying, Native Americans didn't have a sense of humor. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So they could just be like chiseling like some funny cartoon on a rock. You know, we wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they were more special than that. I, I after doing some research, I actually think they are. Um, one of the uh, other areas that are, you know, famous for petroglyphs here in this region would be the area known as Weezbar. 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 All right. Now, it's southeast of Marsing, where we were at looking at Maprock. But usually what you have to do is you have to go down along the Snake River, and there's a dam that's owned by a hydroelectric company here mm-hmm. in Idaho. And you have to go across their dam, and then you hike about a mile, mile and a half back. And the, out in the middle of this field are a bunch of rocks. They, they're these boulders left over from the Great Bonneville Flood. And they're kind of rolled up, and they're round. And like in Hagerman, they call them watermelons, rock melons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. They're weird looking too. Yeah, they're they're smoothed over because they were tumbled through distance, yeah, yeah through this flood, and the Native American tribes that were in this area, which were the Shoshone yeah. Paiute tribes, Paiute, yeah. Paiute, they started carving on these rocks at Weezbar. and you know I don't think they're dated as old as Map Rock was, but they're still the same kind of symbolism. They have squiggles, they have swirls, they have circles with dots in the middle and then lines coming out. And, you know, you look at these things and they're common. And then you can go and look at other petroglyphs all across the United States and you'll see those same kind of symbols. Some things that kind of translate all the way across. And that's kind of what we're going to talk a little bit about tonight. Well, I know what one of them means for sure. What? You know this the squiggles? Uh-huh. When you when you get a pen and you're signing the receipt at the restaurant. <laughs> if you're a doctor. And you, and you go up in the top left corner and you scribble. Uh-huh. So oh. They're just checking to make sure that their hammer and chisel work. Oh, yeah. Tink, 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 yeah, they're just like, oh, yep, let me yep. get the ink flowing here. Oh, good. It's working. It's okay. working. All right. Okay, now now I'm I'll do... put my circle with dots. Okay. I wish okay. I could get rid of that scribble up there, but I can't yeah. because we'll I had to rip test that my, off. my chisel. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's quite accurate, but that's a really good idea. Yeah. You know. Testing. <laughs> make, get the ink flowing. Get that chisel hand working. Well, here's one thing I had because I've been thinking about it. And I knew we were going to do this podcast. And I was thinking about what would be an equivalent of this today. Now, I'm a graphic artist. I work for a company. And part of what I do is design these things called icons. And the icons, basically what they do, they convey an idea without any kind of phonetic or spoken information. Right. So you see them and you get the understanding that they mean something without ever saying a word mm-hmm. or, you know, reading a written word. Like an emoji. An emoji is exactly the same thing. Right. And I got thinking, maybe these rock petroglyphs are icons or emojis that was used to convey information, not written language like, you know. Oh, no, I, I totally think that. Yeah, and not, you know, different than what the, you know, the Egyptians had, which was, you know, different ways of actually writing out things that meant words, Mm -hmm. that people would think words. These icons speak beyond that. They go around it. It's like sign language. Yeah. So when you're doing sign language, you can spell out A, B, C, D, E with your fingers, and then you have to learn to spell and write, and then you can come up with a, a word, and that word will give you a meaning. Or... 
you can do something more primitive. Like if you're thirsty and you want to drink a water, you mm-hmm. make a symbol of holding a cup and you raise the glass up and gulk, yeah. gulk, gulk. And you've basically conveyed in sign language, drink, mm-hmm. right? I do that all the time. We have some coworkers that are like Bosnian or Russian mm-hmm. and they, they're super nice people and they like to talk and hang out and mm-hmm. yeah. they have some of the funnest sense of, of humor. But when I talk to them about important things, I'm always using gestures right, and uh, pointing at things. Yep. Or like if it's a if I'm saying like, yeah, you set it down on a table, I like put my hand on the table. Yep. I gotta like I gotta make an eff- extra effort to because make sure symbols, they understand. So me being pissed off and my angry face is universal. Right. Nobody from China is gonna see me and be like, why why is his face red? Mm-hmm. He's happy, you know. But the scowl makes it universally angry. Yeah. So these symbols can be taken universally if they are right and they're and they're just expressions made with your face your arms your hands your legs you know your body Mm -hmm. and and you know what's really interesting if you study you know the native american tribes and even through south america you've got all of these common types of communication through nothing more than a sign language and so they would make these gestures and they could communicate from the East Coast to the West Coast, from North America to South America. It's something that was going on, and, and we know this. Mm-hmm. And the graphic equivalent of that is iconography. These icons, these petroglyphs, could be a writing system of ideas and concept and words that do not need to have a phonetic kind of connection. And when I thought about that, this the light bulb went on, and, and I hadn't done any research yet. I was just thinking, what if these were like icons? Because at my, at my job, mm-hmm. I have to like create a set of icons that we can use for people to know to click on a button, or this is a web link, or this is a video. Down this trail is Microsoft Word. Right. And so, you know, a mouth with a line through it that says, no talking. Mute button. Mute button. Yeah. Or it could be this, you know, a speaker icon. Oh yeah, you know, whatever it is, we've got our icon set, and they're, they're like, pretty universal. Like airplane mode on your phone. Exactly. The airplane. Right. You know what an airplane is. Mm-hmm. So airplane mode, you can't have your phone on an airplane. And so you, you know who speak English, would understand it just as well mm-hmm. as somebody who's Japanese, who doesn't speak English, who understands the principle, who speaks principle. any other kind of language on the planet. If they're aware of that icon, mm-hmm. they don't need to say anything. They right. know. They understand. And I thought, well, what if these symbols were like icons on rocks? Mm-hmm. And they're communicating something to everybody else. Even We know all these Indian tribes have di- had different languages that they spoke. But if they could write something on a rock that would convey messages to somebody else that was um, familiar with the iconography or the ideogram, then they could do what we do with icons for this so-called primitive people of 4,000 years ago. And all of a sudden, that is very, very advanced. Right. Well, yeah, I use the same thing. And it's funny that we're talking about map rock, but on my, you saw, you saw my little hunting app, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm supposed to say the name of the company on here. I think you could say it. I mean, Onyx the, Hunt the, the one app. you use, Onyx, yeah. Hey, folks. <laughs> Randy Newberg here. Oh. <laughs> he always does an Onyx thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Onyx Hunt app. That's what I use for hunting. It has little waypoints you can, you can mm-hmm. set. And we're talking about map rock and all these symbols. You should see my page. It's either an X where I'm like, oh, this place looks cool. I'll just put a vague red X. Mm-hmm. And then other places, I'm like, man, that place looks like it's got a, like a drainage or like a water going through there. Let's put a little water drop. Yeah. Because to me, that means water. Water drop means water. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a tent that means maybe I could camp here. I've got a picture of a truck or an ATV or a motorcycle. Seeing this is where I parked my car, ATV or motorcycle. So you've got all these little icons, iconography or whatever that word you said ideographic writing system ideographic writing systems yeah which, Ideo- which, ideograms ideo- is what they say or ideograms yeah 
but it's it's just a an image that represents like a whole meaning like a whole group yeah. of meaning even like so what scientists would call this is a language of the mind now we're gonna let's let's jump into this a little intellectually here because i love this kind of stuff so what is a word when you hear something and you hear language what does it do inside your head what is the communication that's going on do you think in words do you think in images i mean it's fun to think about so if you see an icon and you see it you you understand what it is but do you have to say the word in your mind to understand what it is or do you know what it is without the word i think it, you know how everybody's like a neurologic pathways mm -hmm. or whatever and you can like retrain your mind to do different things if you've had like ptsd or something i think your mind's already got paths based on previous experiences that start when you're when you're a kid. When, like my son's age mm -hmm. he doesn't know a bottle is a bottle but he knows that a bottle satisfies this feeling he has right that he doesn't know is hunger i think yeah and that's great because he's not capable of thinking in words yet it's all conditioned responses it's a language of the mind mm -hmm. it's it's an understanding intellectually of something that makes us understand a principle or concept and it does not require words and sometimes you can't even put words to it think of things like love i mean you can say the word love and that can mean a million things to a million different people <laughs> that could mean a million things to different people i guess that makes sense <laughs> it does make sense <laughs> but the actual emotion of love cannot be described distinctly in words right but you feel it instantly in the language of the mind. Mm -hmm. And the best that words can do is kind of help you trigger that. But they're totally independent. Because you'll do things out of love without ever saying, oh, because I love this person, I'm going to do that thing. Right. It'll just be a reaction of that emotion. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting to see that these kind of communications actually are more effective and universal than phonetic language kinds of communication because in in phonetic or written languages they are prone to misunderstandings and misinterpretations mm -hmm. and different meanings true where in a language of the mind you are getting the raw base information that means something it's fascinating to me that sign language works that way that iconography works that way and possibly these ancient primitive people with very limited understanding were actually doing something that was more communicative universally than what we have now in a phonetic language mm -hmm. even like uh is it greek just using your example of love mm -hmm. is it greek or they have like four different words for different the agape and all those words different words for love they yeah. kind of mean like brotherly or um like you're a human and i love you in a way that is we have something in common i love you as a eros but um yeah you know what i mean there's even other languages that have tried to like separate these things right just using love as an example but there's a different love between me and my sons between me and my wife, between me and my dad, right. between me and my truck, between me and my bow. You and your friends, <laughs> if you any. had any. I don't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fascinating. We could linger in here. We could do a whole episode on the strange meaning of words and concepts and ideas. But what we have in petroglyphs could be an iconographic, ideographic, idiom kind of driven communication system of antiquity that conveyed information across people of different spoken languages across the entire planet well, that was a lot of big words basically a universal system of communication independent of spoken language no i agree i i totally agree and i like that idea and i, I guess that's kind of how i pictured it anyway yeah well and isn't Featured. that it's weird it's kind of like basic but it's also like super rad 
super rad. Because it, it's <laughs> like, cool. it's something we want to make things more complicated. Mm-hmm. It is simple. Linear logic, like it's everything's in a line. Everything's got to be word for word where you can't use your imagination. Right. It, word for word instead of concept for concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get. Western perspective, Eastern perspective. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, shout out to Andrew. You harp on this all the time. <laughs> Here's the point. Some people see a clock and know what time it is. They see numbers and they say, yes, it is this hour and this minute. And other people see the sun and say, I got a few hours till I need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And and other, you know, they, they know their priorities and everything's kind of free flowing based on the, the things that are around them. And then over here, the Roman um, intellectual, logical, intellectual, logical uh, Western perspective Greek is perspective, yeah. Greek. Mm-hmm. I guess I said Roman, but it's similar, right? Yeah, yeah. Greco-Roman. Um, it's it's linear. It's, it's like a type of wrestling. It's because it is six thirty, I have a meeting. Yeah. But that wasn't around. There wasn't six thirty. There was sun's uh-huh. about here. Better head over to lunchtime. The way that you see the world, the way that you explain the origination of things is through the lens of that kind of culture. Now, we're looking backward with lenses of the 21st century. We're looking back and we're trying to look through, you know, 15th, 14th century. Maybe we're looking back and we're looking through 200 BC goggles, 2000 BC goggles. Right. How do we do that? Well, you can't. It's not really, I don't think that's possible. Your, but, your perspective is going to be skewed. But a lot of these traditions have been carried through. So we get an idea. We get a hint. Right. They were dependent on the constant or erratic nature of nature itself. So if they had a flood, if they had an earthquake, if they had a drought, if they had rain, all of these things became basically characters in their narrative for their understanding of their lives and their world around them. Right. Um, not to bring up like the whole Egyptian culture again. But they had gods for everything. Mm-hmm. From death to porta potty. You know, like whatever <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I was just spitting out some other yeah, random thing. That, that but, but whatever they did, fertility, killing, death, life. Mm-hmm. Food, every pleasure, everything had a like a, a an image really yep. that meant kind of represented or was the the deity of that specific thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just picture that gets your natural go to yep. is to take a thing, associate it with another thing. You explain it the best you can. Yeah. Yep. And and to. To people who can't just, you know, they're like, well, the water's falling from the sky. We know what water is, but why is the water in the sky? Is there more water? Mm-hmm. So why is there water here? Well, there must be something up there that's telling the water to come down. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's like, well, actually, when water gets hot, it turns into a vapor. And the vapor rises because of the heat. And the yeah. heat condenses in the air. They didn't you know, have that. Yeah, They didn't know these things. Right. So they just associated, well, there must be a giant kitten. Up in the sky, there, crying. Peas, oh, peas. randomly. I like I think crying better. Yeah, crying. yeah. Cat yeah. pee is pee gross. is gross. It smells bad. <laughs> that but, that yeah. cries regularly, or whatever, yeah. and it and it either brings a flood, or it brings more crops, or it drought, or yeah. and they associate it with this important thing. But it's a you scientific. Know, it answer. is really ist- interesting because there's this like uh, layering of understanding, and if you look at the mythologies of some of the Native American peoples, um, from in we're looking back, you know, uh, over thousands of years, and the narratives that they have sometimes are very similar to the narratives that we find in other cultures, whether they are Greek or they're Syrian. They have these commonalities. And as a for instance, I was looking at the similarities of the narratives of the petroglyphs in southern Utah, and there is a, a, a petroglyph down there that kind of has this narrative, 
and it was interpreted by a guy named Martineau Levan. 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 Okay. And we'll talk a little bit about him in a minute. But basically, the interpretation of this petroglyph is that the creator god of the universe created humans. Humans decided that they had the choice of going down one or two paths. One led to destruction. One led to eternal life. The ones that went down the path to eternal destruction eventually made enough bad decisions that they were eternally damned. And the smart ones, the ones that believed in this eternal creator went down a different path and even some that were going down the wrong path eventually changed their direction and they came back to the right path and then they joined this creator who was before and after forever so he was the alpha and the omega and there were two paths and one kind of spirit came in and led a lot of people off in the wrong direction And they went down the wrong path. They had the opportunity at a certain point when there was a branch that joined the two paths to jump back onto the correct path. They, Mm -hmm. some chose not to, some chose to, the ones that chose not to went off to eternal destruction. The ones that chose to go back to the correct path went on to live with God forever. Hmm. What does that sound like? It sounds like the Christian. It sounds very similar to a lot of the, Middle Eastern kind of concepts of God and redemption and what the purpose and end point of life is. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird. So anyway, um, like I mentioned earlier, there was this young man who was born in 1932. His name was Martineau Levan. And uh, so he's born right in the middle of the Great Depression. And uh, he lived in southern Utah in Cedar City. And the Paiute tribe had uh, people that lived there as well, part of that tribe. And when he was 10 years old, his parents died. I don't don't know how, but they died. And a Paiute Indian man named Edric Bushhead. That's a strong name. Yeah, apparently in this tribe, they believed that an orphan was to be taken care of. So this uh, member of the Paiute tribe, um, who happened to be, he was in an accident and actually lost his arm at his shoulder. So he was, he was handicapped. What's a, what's a four by eight sheep herder's wagon? Yeah, he, he lived in a sheep herder's wagon. The sheep herders at that time would take the wagon out and they let the, you know, the flocks graze. Mm -hmm. And that's what he had to live in. And so when our Martineau's dad and mom died and left him as an orphan, and probably in the 1940s, um, this guy, Adric Bushhead, a member of the Paiute tribe, basically adopted him and took him as his own mm-hmm. and adopted him into the uh, Paiute tribe. And he started learning about that culture. And so he kind of had this unique perspective. And then after that, he joined the military in the war and actually served on um, one of the teams that interpreted cryptographic messages. Hmm. He was fascinated with the idea of different kinds of codes. And then after the war, he took that information and he started studying the petroglyph things that were in that area. And And was starting to wonder if maybe these things were more than just rock art. So he studied these things for over 35 years. And he started to develop, even though he had no formal scientific degree or training, he started picking up on these commonalities and realized that there were these things going on in these petroglyphs that had meanings in an ideographic way. That they were conveying deep, information in an iconic way to anybody that knew how to read that iconic message. Right. So anyway, this guy was very, very interested in this. He spent his whole life and he wrote a book about it. And people in the science field that were, you know, pedigreed with multiple degrees from different universities kind of poo-pooed his ideas. But because he was uniquely situated, because he knew that that culture so well, and because he studied so long and so hard, 
it really started to get a foothold. And what was going on is that people would go out and they would start recognizing these symbols and realizing that they meant certain things. And then they were discovering that they were accurate, that they were finding out the right information and that they were telling the stories that made sense. So he'd see a symbol that meant something. And maybe that symbol meant go around this, go upwards, and then when you get to the top, go to the right, and there you will find another symbol. Mm. So he started going out and he would find those kind of symbols. He would follow those. He'd follow the path. He'd go and do what it said. And sure enough, there would be another petroglyph with more information. And that petroglyph could be like an entire panel with all kinds of information, like a story. Or maybe it was another direction to go to another place. And like these light bulbs are going off. It's like, wait, this is not just like some helter-skelter kind of information that mm-hmm. people out scratching the rocks. This is a very intricate form of communication for people that knew how to read it. Hmm. And it's debated, but it's pretty cool. This kind of is a mind blower. And you go out on the you know Google and you Google some of this stuff and you start seeing that there are a lot of people that are catching on to this. And they're putting together these chains, almost like a, it's almost like a treasure map. Mm -hmm. It could be about maybe a war between two different tribes. It could be about maybe the battle with the Europeans. It could be something about, you know, don't make your camp here because there are floods. Mm -hmm. And so there's all this information being communicated on these ancient petroglyphs. And when I started getting into this, I'm like, I got this weird tingle. Because that's a, it was like my idea that what if these are like icons? What if these are ideograms? It's definitely the same. And that's what it is. I mean, in that, in, in this guy's In this guy's context, that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. exactly what it is. So, you know, one, one word, I guess, the Shoshone tribe or the Paiute tribe had to describe these rock writings. But they called them Timpipoap. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But they have a name for these things. Yeah, they call it rock writing. They don't call it rock art like modern archaeologists do. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of archaeologists that are, are just totally against this. They, are, they hmm. do not believe this. They think they were too primitive. They think, they think this is just... Artistic. Simple scratches because the people were just way too old to have that kind of sophistication. They made the bows. And what hey, what really blows think, their mind is that this is a communication system that spreads across the entire United States, if not the entire world. In some way, yeah. And that's a mind blower. If you think that they're so primitive that they can't come up with some system to convey information without verbal communication, then they should just go hunting. Yeah. Because all you do is is read little iconography symbols on the ground and pay attention to all these different variables that mean things to you that are just symbols, Mm -hmm. basically, of of something that's been there. Yeah, totally. That's all they're doing. It's the same exact thing. It's the same thing. And why would we think that we are like the only ones intelligent enough to do this in modern day? Well, People you, have been doing this for I thousands know. of years. You see, you see all the grass is laid down, and and the whole area smells like elk. Mm-hmm. All the grass, the elk probably lay down here, and yep. sleep here. This is a bedding area. This is where they sleep, which is where you're gonna shoot them. Mm-hmm. So why not mark that down as a way, you know, it, it's logic. Yeah. And I don't think people's brains, yeah, they've developed over time. I'm sure they're different. I bet you our brains are smaller mm-hmm. now than they used to be. <laughs> But they've they've always been reading signs. That's what you call it when you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Reading sign. And they literally lived off of hunting mm-hmm. and gathering and finding and foraging. We've got a lot of pictures on our website you can look at and you'll see some of these. Um, like you have these spirals. And they start in the center and then they kind of go out clockwise. They kind of rotate out and grow bigger and bigger. And a kind of a common interpretation of that is that like that's like the the universe. Uh, Almost like if you're looking at the North Star and everything spins around the North Star. Hmm. But what Levon said is that, no, what you're looking at here is a very descriptive directional map on where you need to go to find the next bit of information. 
So if you see it start in the center and move clockwise like it's climbing out, then that means you need to climb up. And then at some point that line will break and you'll get a straight line, maybe even a hook in it. And it's saying, okay, when you get up to the top, go straight and then look and there'll be a dot there. And somewhere around where that dot is represented, you're gonna find the next petroglyph that gives you more information. So if you know what to look for, you'll go to the spot where you'll finally end up at the panel petroglyph that has the information that they actually want you to understand. Hmm. So these outlying petroglyphs that have like directional indications, um, they call them locator glyphs. Um, that's kind of our word for them. The thing about them that he talked about is that they're not true. All you'd have to do is do it one or two times. And if you couldn't find where you were supposed to find more information, if it didn't work, then you would discount it. You would say, this is not what it it's is. But what Levon said is that without fail, with zero inaccuracies, he followed that map indicator and found the next petroglyph. And then he spent years and years and years deciphering little subtleties of little attachments to those informational petroglyphs, those icons, mm -hmm. that meant even more information. He died, I think, in, uh, gosh, I think it was in the 1990s. Um, but he spent his entire life recording his discoveries on this. And it's really, really fascinating. It'd be kind of fun to try. Yeah. Especially if there's paths and we could use something that's not our legs, like a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like the number of circles around the center of the spiral, mm -hmm. that's how the distance but is. That kind of represents like how high up or something. Or how far, yeah. How far. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can go, if you go up and it's it's clockwise and that's up and if it's the other way, then it's down. Ooh. Clockwise so, equals up. Yeah. And it doesn't mean like going spirals down. It means go down and then you're going to head off this direction. And then at the point where the dot is, you can expect to find something else. Hmm. Crazy. It's like a treasure map, kind of. Treasure map. Um, but there's no, the treasure is the information on the panel at the end. Yeah. So this, I mean, when I started doing this, I wanted to find more. I, I think I'm going to try to find and buy this book. Um, it's called The Rocks Begin to Speak. And there are first edition, second edition, I think a third edition. But anyway, you can find it on Amazon. They're a little bit pricey because there are not tons of them in print. But if you want to find it, it's called The Rocks Begin to Speak. Spank. It's called. <laughs> Spank. It was spanky rocks. <laughs> Yeah, it's called The Rocks Began to Spank My Bottom. <laughs> what? No. The Rocks Begin to Speak. Anyway, it details his journey, and his life is fascinating. You can get online, Google him. You'll find all kinds of information. He had a fascinating life. You know, I don't know how much deeper we want to go into this because we're getting to the point now. We're starting to, to scratch the surface on what some scratch of the possibilities, the right? <laughs> yeah, totally good. Petrograph joke. Petroglyph. Petroglyph. Pick Pictographs are painted. Pick your graph. Yeah. Rock scratch. Rock scratch. Yeah. Okay. Petrograph <laughs> joke. Yes. We're going to start talking about not only the communication of a very elaborate iconographic system, idea, ideological, or what? The, what there's another word. Uh, you playing Scrabble over there? <laughs> what are you doing? It's weird. All these things kind of sound the same. We're not scientists, so we don't use them every day. Petrographical. So you got ideograms, ideographic iconic iconography you got all these words that kind of mean the same thing mm -hmm. and when you discover that this stuff is kind of that stuff it, it starts getting kind of exciting and then you start throwing in some other things we know about these native american tribes and their mythologies and their religions mm -hmm. and then we're starting to get into something that's a little bit deeper mm -hmm. and some of these iconographic ideograms are representative of their religious and mystical belief systems that include all of these very strange things. And that's where we're going to go on the next episode. We're going to go down that rabbit hole. And that's going to be really fun. I mean, this is fun. I mean, who'd have thought, thinking about stupid rocks out in the mm -hmm. field, that you would start, you know, unraveling a mystery. It's like you're unwrapping these ideas and concepts that you never even knew were there and you maybe have even seen them around all over the place yeah 
so let's say you come up with a really visual system and you just kind of look at a petroglyph 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 glyph glyph i had it right i don't know why i want to say griff remember petro rock petro peter glyph. small rock and glyph meaning to scratch etch or chisel i don't know i would never be like oh i'm just glyphing <laughs> but we're glyphing in this podcast let's just t- say you take like a a very visual a system to look at petroglyphs okay so you just walk up to it you look at a specific thing and then that representation you know whatever that makes you kind of think of first is your translation right it. Mm-hmm. it would probably be if you went that route you didn't really have a system as much as you just went with your first instinct you'd probably be pretty close to what they were thinking yeah. You know, let's say you see a four-legged stick figure with sticks coming out of its head. Deer, elk, moose. I don't know what else you'd think of it as. You know, you're not going to say a guy on all fours with uh, sticks tied to his forehead. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. So you're kind of, you're going to make these leaps. And if you were to just go to these places, look at these things. Like in the future, I've seen some of these petroglyphs that are on some of these rocks that we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you just go with the first thing that comes to your head after seeing yeah, those, it's gonna be bizarre. you're going to be messed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like, well, and here's another thing, you know, kind of down that line. Because we're in a Western culture, we read from left to right. Mm-hmm. So when we see an image, we naturally go from left to right. Now, if you're in some Eastern cultures, you go right to left. Top to bottom. So what do you do in a Native American culture of two, three, four thousand years ago? Whatever feels right. And that's really close because there is no specific way to read it. You read the whole. Mm-hmm. That's like I was saying. It's not linear. It's not linear. It, it can't be linear. And there are clumps of information. And maybe the more dense the clumps are the more important weighting mm. factors of that image. So it's very fascinating. And... I don't know. We're going to get in more detail on this stuff and we're going to do more research over the next couple of weeks to try to make sure we're, you know, we're trying to be accurate. And some of this stuff is definitely debatable. Um, and like we said, we're not anything scientists. we say is debatable. <laughs> yeah. But I, I hope you will continue to join us in this journey. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're doing some legwork that you don't have the time or desire to necessarily do, but still have an itch to know. And hopefully we'll be able to scratch a few of your itches. Ooh, I don't <laughs> want to scratch anybody's itches with this toilet paper shortage going on. This is true, and not with literal fingers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, we're going to scratch. So you're with... saying scratching somebody's itch would kind of be like a, a representation of what we plan on doing, like an idiogram. Oh, yeah, I could draw a finger scratching <laughs> something. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, yeah, I feel embarrassed for saying that. I kind of do. I feel dirty. I feel dirty. I feel dirty. I need to wash my hands. I need to go shower. I haven't showered for like a day and a half. Gross. I know. I can tell. You. I got this new soap, cypress and cedar. Oh, is that that man soap stuff? No, I I want the squatch. Squatch. Oh, tell him the sad news. Oh yeah, but do it in a uh, a visual. So like, (laughs) yeah, make. Make pictures with the words I that will mean what you're trying picture, to say. Okay, so imagine in your mind Sasquatch walking in the woods. And then all of a sudden, a giant circle envelops said Sasquatch. Squatch, 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 <laughs> Bigfoot. And then out of nowhere, a line strikes forth through said Sasquatch. A giant knot symbol. Mm. Ghostbusters. Which, which means... SquatchCon 2020 in Boise, Idaho has been canceled this year. I would do Sasquatch crying. One single tear. <laughs> like, I hate it when people litter. Yeah. Well, oh, the, yeah. And he's got a, yeah. a coronavirus mask on. <laughs> yeah, we got to combine everything good. Sasquatch is sad. Sad Squatch. Because <laughs> sad squatch. That looks like a t-shirt. Sasquatch is sad because coronavirus canceled. Yeah, his that's what party. we'll call it. Sasquatch in a mask with the tears, and we'll call it sad squatch. <laughs> but yes, SquatchCon 2020 has been canceled in Boise, Idaho. We were looking forward to being there this year, and we were going to have some merch that we were going to like sell merch. and give away, and 
and just talk to people about weird, strange things. And it's not going to happen this year, but it'll happen next year. It will happen. And that'll give us time to kind of get our to prepare ducks in a row to paint a picture for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ducks in a row. Um, This topic of rocks is boring as heck. Okay. I don't think no, so. No, 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 no. If, if, okay. if, you, were if to, you were just talking about rocks. Yeah. If, okay. Gotcha. So people yeah. are like, oh, I'm going to watch a, a, a Discovery Channel episode about, about rocks. rocks with scratches on them. That's, I wouldn't watch that. What if they rock? I'm just telling you picture, something. I'm in charge here. How about an icon of Bigfoot on a rock? Because there are those. See? You're getting Alien. ahead of me. Oh, if sorry. You just sh- Backing track. up. I'm shutting. I'm <laughs> drinking my beer while you talk. Go. Um... <laughs> Can't take you seriously making that noise, but if you were to, if you were to, um, I can't think with that awful <laughs> racket. Okay, I got three drinks. That's all I needed. Go. Um. Okay, so the 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 whole idea of like studying rocks with scratches on them is not super entertaining to most people, right? I so, can't understand how that's a possibility. But go on. Go if on. you were like. Yes, and here we have a rock <laughs> with three scratches. Nobody's going to watch that Discovery Channel episode. <laughs> but if you were to give them a teaser and you used your words to represent what might be down the line on your rock. You paint a, you, you scratch me a rock with your words. I'm a rock scratcher. Of what might be dwelling in the future of our petroglyph endeavor. So you're asking me to use words to describe what we might be talking about in the future in a way that's not phonetically driven, but more visually yeah. driven? Don't 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 worry about being linear, but maybe just go all like uh, visual. Okay, go get 3D. rid of your Western mind, okay, and just embrace the Eastern if mindset. I was visualizing something to like hook people to come back and listen to our next oh. episode. I would see. Giant pedographic um. elements and <laughs> strange looking creatures appearing to descend from the nether regions high above or potentially through portals. <laughs> Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, sure. I was I was in there. I was in the zone. I had my eyes closed. I was thinking about it. I was totally seeing it in my head. <laughs> anyway, your voice and your eyes closed. Then I changed your pleasant smile of tranquility. Your out of there. body experience. I did kind of feel euphoria. He took a rip off some peyote. <laughs> He was just up in the the <laughs> nether regions. Anyway, yes, there are Ooh, fun things coming. Funny. And we're going to go into some strange <laughs> lands with this. And, and you know what's really weird about it is we're going to go places where we've kind of already touched on before. Mm-hmm. We've already touched those places. <laughs> <laughs> we scratched that itch. <laughs> okay. We must stop. We must. It's getting late. We've had a couple to drink, and, and now it's time to go to bed. But anyway, I wanted to just say thank you for those that have been patronizing us by listening to our podcast. Please continue to do so. And, you know, share us. If you like us at all, you know, go ahead and share us to your friends, and, and we'll try to keep it lighthearted. Uh, we're trying to be open. We don't want to be, we don't want to be those people that have, like, you know, secret knowledge that we're going to keep away and that people have to have a special extra permissions to join us. a good word to describe us is goobers. Goobers? But we're we're honest, open goobers. I think a goober is too honest sometimes. Maybe. And that might hurt us in the long run, but uh, just enjoy the ride. Yep. And uh, hopefully we'll be taking you with us on Strange Adventures in the near future. We've Got the new ramp for the box van, and the motorcycles can now be loaded. I think we need to add a couple tie-down straps, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be out looking at a couple of these locations. Um, A few of the locations, if you want to do a little research, uh, look at the Bennett Hills in uh, (laughs) southern Idaho around Gooding. There are a lot of petroglyphs over there. 
and uh, it's a fascinating place. Um, you can look at uh, the other spot that we said. What did I call that? It's a weird. I want to say Warbies, but it's not Warbies. Can't come into the work today. Got a case of the Warbies. It's Wee's Bar, not Warbies. Wee's Bar. Wee's Bar is funny too. <laughs> it is, and it's it's just this place sitting out in the middle of nowhere by an old farmstead that has these rocks in the middle of this field that have petroglyphs carved all over them. Where, where is that roughly? It's about three, two or three miles east along the Snake River from Celebration Point, okay. which is it's pretty close. About five miles east of map, map rock on map rock road which is roughly 35 feet from scary rattlesnake bush yes scary rattlesnake bush we're going to do an iconographic kind of ideogram on a rock to celebrate our encounter with the great rattlesnake the great snake i can't do it very good yeah that's way better but that was a really weird thing, you know. I, I'll never forget proud of that. myself for that one. That was good. I, that's one of those things that's scary enough that kind of you you won't forget. I should have shot it. No. Okay, there's no reason to leave a, a poisonous snake in an area that kids will be playing around. They eat gophers. Um, that's, that's fine. Gophers spread disease. It did kind of terrify me because if some little kid, two-year-old, See running up there playing... With the cool rock and daddy. I, I just pictured my kid yeah. in, instead of you. Yeah. He wouldn't have seen it. He'd have ran right through it and probably been snagged. Yeah, and that's the danger of that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, be careful. Maybe you should wear pants. We didn't. We were just freaking full Native American <laughs> yeah. tribal... Loincloth in it. <laughs> no pants at all. I wasn't wearing a loincloth. I had Calvin Klein's. <laughs> okay, that's bad. All right, on that note, anyway. on that image, let's uh, go ahead and close this thing out. Um, anything else we want to say? Don't forget. Share us. To sheriff. Like us. Like us. <laughs> that's how I was watching, you know, if you ever went to Psych. Psych, yes. I Like sheriffus and like us. Yeah. Like liking. And and like he was talking about he was talking about the Bible. He was talking about oh G- Genesis, Genesis, Exorcist, Exorcist Leviathan, Leviathan, do the, the right, right thing. thing. <laughs> that was so awesome. I forgot about that. I laughed so. I think hard. the whole phrase is Samson, <laughs> yeah. the ordinary dwarf and mouth who must find his way back to Wolverhampton. <laughs> And then Gus yeah. is like, no, Samson, the legendary figure from the Bible. You read a Bible, Sean. And then he's like, I do read the Bible. Genesis, Exorcist, <laughs> Leviathan, Leviathan, do the right, the right thing. thing. <laughs> I laugh so much. That's a good show. Hey, if you guys want to watch a fun show and you, you haven't seen it before, watch Psych. Yep. I mean, they're awesome. It is really good. Okay, that's enough of this stuff. Let's it's get enough. out. <laughs> like us on Facebook and Twitter. Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Follow us. Do the do yeah. the things you do with social media. And we're also on. I started. I should say we started a new group page mm-hmm. on Facebook where you can share your strange things that you run into. Welcome to America. Yes, you guys get it. All and then and then Stitcher, stuff. iTunes, Castbox, Castbox. Google Play, uh, all the things, iTunes, our iPod, whatever that is, all the all of those formats. We you should know be what on you all are. of them. Yeah, like us, follow us, and and, and rate us. Yeah, and, rate and us. Give us reviews. We want to hear those things. If it's a zero star review, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't so give that. us five because if you go all the way to the end, there's probably yeah. a zero. So just give us five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give us and five, then, and then leave a really bad comment, and then you do the draw me a picture. <laughs> Go ahead, get online, and also, you know, follow us on Facebook. I mean, it's something that you can do, and and, uh, we put information on there. And also our website, astrangething.com. We've got a blog there. I don't know if you noticed. I don't go there very often. I try to update the blog. I do all the work on this. You come over, drink beer, and talk into a microphone. That's why they pay me the... (laughs) I should give you moderation control over some of it and, like, delegate some of the responsibility. 
You could, but you'd be let down significantly every <laughs> single time. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, on that happy note, Austin, since you're such a contributor, why don't you go ahead and close us out? <laughs> <laughs> so join us next time for some cold drinks and some strange conversation. Taters. Taters. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>